Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the 49ers Plus Podcast. I'm your host, Al Moriello, and this week we'll talk about another recent signing the 49ers made along the offensive line, George Kittle making an appearance at the recent WrestleMania. QB discussions, what John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan had to say about Brock Purdy and the quarterback room. More trading chatter between quarterback Trey Lance and Brandon Ayuk. We'll dive into that. We'll dive into how the 49ers roster was constructed, the cost that is associated with each position group. We'll talk about pre-draft power rankings from Pro Football Focus. And NFC win totals are out, and I want to share them with you all. But first, let's start with the Niners, and let's get right into it. Let's talk Niners! So early on this past week, San Francisco made another veteran low-cost addition signing to the offensive line, signing tackle Matt Pryor to a one-year deal worth about $1.08 million dollars. Most, re- most recently of the Indianapolis Colts, he also spent time with the Philadelphia Eagles. He is a big tackle, uh, big size, long arms, and he will compete with Colton McKivitz for the right tackle spot. Now, John Lynch came out and said that this is a good depth siding. There will be competition, but they they like Colton McKivitz. They like him a lot ever since they drafted him out of West Virginia. And this won't be the only competition that McKivitz has to nail down the right tackle spot. There will be someone brought in from the draft. There will be potentially internal competition. I don't know if Jalen Moore is seen as an option at the right side, in addition to backing up Trent Williams at left tackle, although he didn't fare too well there this season when he was put in, or or perhaps it was uh, last season, 2021. San Francisco has a lot of youth in terms of backups, except for John Feliciano, who they signed from the Giants, can play both center and guard, but that's not helping their tackle spot. A wide-open right tackle. And then if Trent Williams should go down, who would be that starting left tackle? So Matt Pryor, glad he is part of the mix. If McKivitz wins the right tackle spot outright, Matt Pryor would be a very valuable swing tackle. But again, I still do believe there is help coming in the draft at the end of this month. Football and wrestling news. Tight end George Kittle appeared at WrestleMania a few nights ago. He helped former Colts punter, now podcast host and TV personality on NBC, Pat McAfee, helped him beat Mike the Miz. Mizzenin, if I even said that right, I haven't been a wrestling fan since I realized it was fake bullshit about 35 years ago. But it was a cool clip. You know, Kittle was sitting in the stands, front row. Mike the Miz kind of, I guess, smacked him. Kittle unzipped his track suit, or his, you know, at least his track jacket. Came out, hit him with a clothesline. And then Pat McAfee, more impressively, who's got to be in his, you know, early to mid-40s, went from the top rope and somersaulted his way onto... Mike the Miz, who is on the ground ringside. So fun to see, you know, Kittle has said before that he has, he's a big wrestling fan. Being part of WrestleMania was a dream come true for him. And that he can see himself seamlessly making the transition from pro football player to professional wrestler when his football days are up. Kittle is 29 years old. Hopefully he's got another, you know, five good years left in him. 
but it was just maybe, you know, a prelude of things to come for Kittle's second career. So from Kittle and WrestleMania, quarterback discussion has been the big discussion the past couple days and past couple weeks. And, and why not? Because it's a slow time. We're leading up to the draft. The 49ers are done really making any sort of impactful free agent acquisitions unless after, you know, June 1st, some valuable players get cut or players that Lynch and Shanahan think can help the team. We're in a slow period. So this podcast is devoted to the chatter that is happening during this slow period. Some of it informative, the vast majority of it it is bullshit that is just that chatter. So let's start with John Lynch, who actually spoke first at the team meetings, I guess it was in Arizona, um, a few days ago. And of course, Brock Purdy, how the elbow was healing and where he stands with Trey Lance and Sam Darnold was a topic of discussion. Here was Lynch's quote. I think Brock has earned the right to start with the way he played that he's probably the leader in the clubhouse. I'll let Kyle Shanahan make those kinds of decisions, but I know when we talked, Brock probably has earned the right to be the guy. If we were to line up, he probably would take that first snap. We're still very excited about Trey, but I think the way Brock played, he has earned that right to be the guy, but it's certainly a competition. We'll always have competition. Now, there was also discussion on trades because of the signing of Sam Darnold that signaled to a lot of people, also known as fools, that they potentially may trade, may give up on Trey Lance and try to trade him. Here was John Lynch's response. We like Trey on our team right now. Kyle and I always joke that we trade each other if someone gave us a good enough deal. So we'd listen to anything. But we like Trey on our team, and we're very excited about the way he's progressing, about his opportunity. I think he's chomping at the bit to get out there and get back under center and be healthy again. So what did Lynch say here? I think the most important thing, which folks watching the games and separating themselves from draft position, or if they were a Trey Lance super fan... Um, a Trey Homer, someone who hates the Trey pick, someone who loves Brock, doesn't like Brock, doesn't like the injury, whatever it may be. Common sense is, has prevailed here with John Lynch, John Lynch saying the way that Brock played, he has he's the leader in the clubhouse. He's earned the right to take that first snap. Makes a whole lot of sense and makes a whole lot more sense if Brock wasn't injured coming off of an elbow injury that will sideline him until early September. That doesn't mean he's not throwing the football, but he probably won't be in any live football situations until really close until the season starts or even into the first month of the season. Because of the injury, it opens up competition. I think Shanahan would have made their, would have, even, and he, he agrees with Lynch, we're going to go into this in a second. He would have made it a false competition, even if Brock was healthy, to get the best out of the three quarterbacks, Purdy, Lance, and Darnold. You don't want to go into it with anyone taking plays off, anyone not giving it their all. The old adage, iron sharpens iron. And he can always fall back on saying, well, you know, Brock only played eight games. 
let's assuming they lost that game. Well, they did lose the game to Philadelphia, but he came out of it healthy. You know, we had a rough patch at the end there against the Eagles. We brought in, you know, Sam. I think we could help our, our QB room. And of course, we think highly of Trey because we drafted him. And just let it be, even if it's a faux competition, knowing that Brock is the leader. As far as the trading aspect, and I, I'm glad that Lynch provided some levity, that whole, we joked that we would trade each other if we were given a good enough offer. Yes, yeah, San Francisco's going to listen to anything. Who is actually calling for Trey Lance? Who is actually calling for a quarterback who played one year for North Dakota State at a lower level in 2020? Did not play in 2019, I'm sorry. Did not play in 2020, COVID year. Did not play in 2021. San Francisco drafted and played two games. That's nothing. Played almost five quarters in 2022. How valuable is that asset? Now, if I'm a GM and I really like Trey Lance coming out, and I don't think I can get any one of the top four or five quarterbacks in this draft... Do I put a call in just to ask what it might take because I think I could get Trey Lance on the cheap? Sure. Lance is going into his third year. It's very manageable. I think like $10 million. Never hurts to ask. And it doesn't hurt to listen because some team may give away a king's ransom for him. But short of that, there is no reason, and we're going to get into why in a little bit, for the 49ers to trade Lance. Not now. Not this season. Not at all in 2023. Now, Kyle Shanahan basically echoed what John Lynch said. I'm going to get right into his quote. It's going to start about, it's going to start with Brock. It would have been pretty easy to make Brock the starter if he was healthy. The way Brock played last year, he'd be the starter going into it. In the games he played, he played at a level that was the real deal. If you go off that evaluation, eight games, and what he did, he earned that job. He should be our starter on how he played because he has that film. And that was really cool to see. Trey had that position going into last year. We were real excited about that and think he would have had a hell of a year. He only got one and a half games and he went out, which opened an opportunity for Jimmy. Jimmy got hurt and opened it up for Brock. And Brock played eight games and won all of them and played at an extremely high level. We're very excited to have that level of player at quarterback. Now, we believe Trey can be that. I think he would have done it last year if he had stayed healthy. The good thing for him is with Brock being hurt, he has an opportunity to try to regain that. It's also why we brought in Sam Darnold. We can't be set for sure on Brock because you never know how the injury will go. We think it will go well. We're optimistic about it. But right now, that's on hold. And that opens up an opportunity for Trey and Sam to come in and show us what they have. Again, even-keeled, level-headed, logical, not sexy response. So the media and other people have to read between lines that aren't there and try to pull out something to introduce drama and speculation. Start from the top. It would have been easy to name Brock the starter if he was healthy. He played really well. Eight games, undefeated. He has that on tape. Played at a high level. Trey had that going into the year. Got hurt. Jimmy came in, opened the door for Brock. Brock cashed in. Now, Brock's hurt, so that opens the door for Trey and Sam because you can't have just one quarterback taking all the snaps 
in OTAs, minicamp, and training camp, and preseason games, if Trey's going to be your presumptive starter to, to head into week one, if Brock's not healthy, they're not going to hang him out there to dry and potentially get hurt in the preseason. Darnold's going to get a lot of snaps. And Shanahan does like that skill level. So more about Trey. And here's where I think there's a little bit of a catch-22, or at least I'm curious as I'm trying to read between the lines. The question was, can Trey win the job without playing regular season games? Kyle's response, it's going to be harder for him to do. Brock played in eight games. Trey had that job going into last season, and if he had played eight games like that, no one else would have been able to come in and beat him out. But with Brock being hurt, it does give him the chance. Now, here's where it doesn't make sense for me. Yes, comparatively, two games in 2021 that Lance played, well, two and a half if you count the Seahawks game that he came in when Jimmy got hurt. It wasn't one and a half games. Last year was one in a drive or one and a half of a quarter when he got hurt against Seattle. But if, if there's the possibility that Brock Purdy is not going to be ready to start the season then the answer is yes. Trey Lance can win the job in minicamp, training camp, and preseason without playing meaningful regular season games because Brock Purdy is still on the mend. There, I really don't think Brock Purdy is going to be available week one. I think he's going to be put on the physically unable to perform list, and maybe he is ready sometime between week five and week eight. Best case scenario is week one. But in, in what world have any of us lived in where best case injury recovery scenario for any 49er player has ever happened? And this is the most delicate of areas for a quarterback. The elbow, you could maybe argue the shoulder, the rotator cuff also. But it's it's if Trey wins the job, or even if Sam Darnold wins it, which if that's the case, then maybe you consider trading Trey Lance. Because then, in a weird way, what's the point? I still would like to have all three quarterbacks on the roster because, again, 49ers, injury-prone shit show. But whoever is going to win the job, again, I'm working under the assumption that Brock Purdy will not be the starter week one. Whoever wins that job will win it without meaningful live, regular season game snaps under their belt. Unless you want to go back and look at Trey Lance's 2021 and 2022 for the Niners. And the last, last six games that Sam Darnold started for the Panthers because it was Baker Mayfield's job up until then. Now again, the timeline, and this is for Brock Purdy. This is Shanahan's own words. We'll see in three months if he can be ready for camp, or if not, could possibly say that it's going a little slower. It might be week one. I'm hearing at the latest week four of the regular season, guys. But that's just all estimations, and we will see what happened. The, you know, again, we're not going to know anything for three months. Anything you read, how well he's progressing, or, oh, I heard come mid-May that he's on track to start, it's all bullshit. Once he starts throwing a football, look up Nick Mullins' UCL recovery. They're going to start throwing a football 10 yards apart, lobbing it. And that won't happen until like mid-June. 
You're not going to know in June how the elbow really is. You're not going to know in July how the elbow really is. You might know in August, but he'll be playing, you know, sure, if he's playing in practice, you know, he's going to wear the, the red shirt or the orange shirt. No one's going to be able to touch him. You're not going to know how it's going to respond to a hit. It's a live fire if he's actually trying to, and he doesn't have the strongest arm in the world, but trying to maybe fit a ball in between a tight window. We're not going to know. Anything you hear until midsummer, late summer, is going to be absolute speculative bullshit. We will not know about Purdy if he's even going to be able to play in September until August. Just keep that in mind. Now, trade chatter continued. And of course, you know, Lance has been on the receiving end of a lot of trade chatter unjustifiably so in my opinion, and Brandon Ayuk, wide receiver as well. And there is no way in hell, let me repeat that, no way in hell that Trey Lance or Brandon Ayuk gets traded this year. I did say earlier that if Sam Darnold beats Lance out, that maybe he gets traded. But even then, the first month of the season, if Purdy's not healthy, you need a backup you're not going to trade Trey Lance and not have a backup for Sam Darnold. That's why I'm going back to the no way in hell. And again, the Mike Florios of the world, the David Car- David Cars of the world, the lesser car who sucked with the Texans, and he was on the 49ers for a year, which was unfortunate. Everybody out there just want like, it's a sexy thing to talk about when there is nothing else sexy to talk about. Why are they not going to get traded? Because this is an all-in year for San Francisco. No team outside of the Patriots for the past 20 years with Brady has a Super Bowl window that's going to be open infinitely. You want to lengthen that window as much as you can. But Ayuk is their best receiver. He is their number one receiver now. It's not Debo. And they are cheap players. In 2023 against the cap. Trey Lance costs $9.3 million. Brandon Ayuk, $4 million. It's Lance's third year. It's Brandon Ayuk's fourth year. The Niners are going to pick up Brandon Ayuk's fifth year option, which when you look ahead to 2024, Lance's fourth year and Ayuk's fifth year, Lance will count $10.8 million against the salary cap. Brandon Ayuk will count $14 million. That's assuming there's no extension or anything long term that that works at that's worked out for him. Still inexpensive. That's half of what Debo's going to be making that year for Ayuk. And $10 million is what? A third, a fourth, a quarter of what upper echelon quarterbacks in the NFL make, or even a Derek Carr for that matter. And I think they could fit Ayuk and Debo together. And here's why. Next year's year five for Brandon Ayuk, $14 million cap hit. 2024 will be Debo's first year of his, of his extension, which is $28.5 million. So that's a lot, $42 million, $42.5 million for two receivers. 2025 could be Ayuk's first year of his new contract, which always is a lower cap figure because they push the bigger salary years out into the future. So 2025 could be a low number for Ayuk. Debo's number comes down from 28.5 to 24.2. And then in 2026, when Ayuk's salary probably balloons up, 
Debo's salary in 2026 is eight and a half million dollars. Cap it, excuse me. Doable. Now, where that works in with Bosa or anybody else, if they're gonna, you know, extend Charvarius Ward, I'm not sure. But I think the fallacy of can they pay? They can't pay Ayuk and Debo at the same time. I don't believe that. The Bengals are in a different situation because the Bengals are going to have Burrow at quarterback, Jamar Chase at receiver, and T. Higgins at receiver all coming up around the same time for extensions. That's going to be hard. I don't think San Francisco is going to pick up Trey Lance's fifth-year option unless Purdy's not healthy to start, Lance is playing out of his mind the first week of the season and he doesn't give the job up. And now who knows how far playoffs, NFC Championship game, Super Bowl, who knows how long that's going to happen. Now on top of that, Brock Purdy's next three years, and again, nothing's guaranteed. He had elbow surgery. Hopefully it all works out for the best. Purdy in 2023 will be making $890,000 in 2024, 1 million, 2025, 1.1 million. The Purdy Lance dynamic, and then you still have Sam Darnold making between three and a half and four and a half million, and Kyle Shanahan likes him. Who knows? Like, after this season, maybe they do decide to trade Lance, re sign Darnold to something moderate, and have Darnold and Purdy be the quarterbacks that are battling, or, or maybe Darnold is Purdy's backup. But the fact that you have three quarterbacks that account for about $14 million this year. 14 to 15 million. That's awesome. You don't want to rock that boat. I don't want to rock that boat in, in next year either. But at some point, they will have to make a decision on is it Lance or is it Purdy and the wild, wild dark horse is Sam Darnold that he might not be on this team beyond this year. And lastly, of course, it's not quarterback discussion and Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers without Kirk Cousins being brought up because apparently there was Kirk Cousins trade chatter at the Combine. And of course, when it's chatter, it's anybody but anyone associated with the 49ers. Now, Cousins has a $20 million cap hit this year. It's a $38 million cap hit for the Vikings if he is traded. He's not going anywhere. Even if you want to make some sort of Cousins for Trey Lance trade-up, it, to me, doesn't make sense. San Francisco does not want to take on additional salary right now at the quarterback position. They got to an NFC Championship game two years ago with Jimmy. They got to an NFC Championship game last year with Purdy. They think very highly of Lance. Not to say that that automatically means they're going to get to an NFC Championship game again. You, you never know, but they have a talented enough roster that phenomenal quarterback play will win them a Super Bowl. Good to slightly above average quarterback play will get them deep into the playoffs. And I don't know what you want to call Brock Purdy's quarterback play, but the offense averaged over 30 games when he took over. He was 8-0 in the games that he played meaningful snaps in, had a 16-4 interception ratio counting, touchdown interception ratio counting the playoffs. We're not confusing him with him with Pat Mahomes, guys, or Joe Burrow. Of course not. But he might be the right fit for what Shanahan wants to do at quarterback. Or it might be Lance. I don't know. But it'll be playing out Kirk Cousins 
is not going to be a 49er. Don't even dignify that with a click. Now, what I did want to share with you guys is, and I was actually doing the research myself, calculating the positions myself, and then found a website that had it calculated already and, you know, cross-referenced what I found. Things were um, all square, so I just kind of wanted to share how the 49ers roster is built. So at quarterback, you know, they have, I mentioned, Purdy, Lance, and Darnold on the roster. Their quarterbacks count for $14 million of their cap. That ranks 16th. Now, everything I'm mentioning now is for 2023 only. These values and these NFL ranks will fluctuate up or down in coming years based on how contracts are structured. But this year, only $14 million devoted to quarterback. Running back, so between McCaffrey and Mitchell, Ty Davis Price and Jordan Mason, so you have two rookies or two uh, players on rookie contracts, one undrafted free agent and Christian McCaffrey, $15 million for four running backs. That ranks sixth in the NFL. So it is it is still up there because McCaffrey's cap hit is $12 million. But when you spread, you know, $15 million around for four players, that's a, a little under, you know, $4 million a running back. Not terrible. Wide receivers, they're at $19.5 million. That ranks 22nd in the league. Again, this year, Debo's salary bloats next year. Ayuk's salary, his, his fifth-year option is $14 million. That, that would jump up wide receiver from nineteen five million to $42 million in 2024. But this year, the rank is 22nd. Now, Danny Gray, on his rookie contract, Ray Ray McLeod's not making a lot. Juwan Jennings is only going to make, I think, a little over or a million and a half to $2 million um, on his exclusive rights free agent deal. So still manageable. Tight end. 20.1 million. Now that's George Kittle, whose cap hit is 18 million. Charlie Werner is the only other tight end on the roster. So he's in the final year of his contract. They're going to draft somebody. Um, and Ross Dwelly was back as well. So this is a little, little over $21 million. Um, now the offensive line, about $42 million invested. Now Trent Williams at left tackle accounts for a little over $27 million of that. So you have $14 million that are devoted to seven other players. And they rank 16th in the NFL. If I didn't say it before going back to tight end, number two ranked uh, tight end room. And I would, I'm guessing that's behind the Chiefs with Travis Kelsey. So the offensive total, $110 million devoted to offense. Middle of the pack, San Francisco ranks 14th there. Interior of the defensive line, so defensive tackles, $40 million. NFL rank is second. Javon Hargrave's contract counts not as much as you think because his cap hit is only $6.6 million. It's Eric Armstead's cap hit of $23.7 million that takes up about 30 of that $39 million. San Francisco does have four other players between Givens and Kinlaw. Um... McGill and Kalia Davis that eat up the remaining um, $9 million. Edge rusher, $22.5 million. That ranks 19th. That number may actually go down or go down or stabilize in the coming years with Bosa's extension because if Bosa is extended, his cap hit will go down this year but will balloon in, in coming years. 
Bosa is on track for a $17.9 million cap hit if he plays on his fifth-year option this year um, with no with no extension. Otherwise, it's Cleland Farrell, it's Austin Bryant. On one-year deals, it's Drake Jackson on a second-round rookie contract. These are inexpensive um, players, but ones that we hope will make him an impact in addition to, I think, another draft pick being invested at the position. Linebackers, so inside and outside, $20.1 million. The Niners rank fifth in the NFL. Fred Warner's cap hit is at about 25.5. Oh, I'm sorry, next year. So his cap hit right now is about uh, $9 million. Greenlaw's cap hit is about 5.5. So you have 14 devoted right there. Then you have Oren Burks and Demetrius Flanagan Fowles rounding up the $20 million with either a free uh, a rookie or either Marcelino McCrary Ball or Curtis Robinson taking that fifth linebacker spot. Safety, $6.9 million, ranks 29th near the bottom of the league. Teleno Hufunga is still on his rookie deal. Gibson, Odom, and Miles Hartsfield are all on very inexpensive contracts, and I do believe that a rookie will be added to the mix. Cornerback, Excuse me, the five players on the roster, 14.8 million. Charvarius Ward has the largest hit of 6.4 million. Isaiah Oliver, who they brought in in free agency, has a $2 million hit. Um, otherwise, it's Diamador Lenore, Samuel Womack, and Ambry Thomas, all about you know close to a million dollars each. So defensively, they're spending about $104 million, with this, which is ninth in the NFL. So again, for 2023, now you're looking at it, where are they spending the most? As a whole, the defensive line, tackles, and defensive ends, and the offensive line. But again, so no, those are positions that the offensive line is going to have nine players on it. The defensive line is going to have probably 10 players on it. Receiver, you're only going to have five. You're only going to have three quarterbacks, five running backs, if you count Kyle Juszczyk, who's making about $5 million. So you could see the 49ers are building, at least monetarily, from the inside out, from the lines outward, which isn't very uncommon, but there are teams that have devoted more to the secondary, to corners and safeties, because of how much the NFL has become you know, a passing league and a passing game. So we're going to conclude the podcast now with some interesting rankings that I found. So Pro Football Focus's pre-draft power rankings, at least the top 10. And I don't, you know, it's funny to say a pre-draft power ranking because how much are draft picks, rookies, really going to impact any of these teams in the top 10? They're in the top 10 because they have a solid core of players now, especially veterans. But for what it's worth, Kansas City is number one, San Francisco two, Philadelphia three, Buffalo four, Cincinnati five, Dallas at 6th, the Chargers 7th, Vikings 8th, Baltimore 9th, and Miami 10th. And that feels about right. You know, there's there's no big miss here in terms of a team that we feel has top 10 talent that isn't in the top 10. Now, if the Jets had signed Aaron Rodgers already, you know, maybe they bump off a, a Miami or a Baltimore. I'm assuming Baltimore's only on there at 9 they're assuming that Lamar Jackson is, is probably going to sign the franchise tender and play for the Ravens in 2023. So nothing egregious here. You know, it, it looks about right. Uh, I would bump Philadelphia above San Francisco. I mean, they are the reigning NFC champs. I don't think they lost enough to really be unseated. 
Um, Dallas is at six. I I like them a lot this coming year. I mean, the, the Stephon Gilmore addition at cornerback. Um, they added Brandon Cooks, a receiver, if he could stay healthy. I think that defense is going to get better under Dan Quinn, and whatever they do in the draft will help as well. I, I You know, it just postseason is their kryptonite, but I think they could really give Philadelphia a run in the NFC East. Now, in terms of win totals, this is just NFC that I found. So NFC win totals, San Francisco at 11.5, Philadelphia 10.5, New Orleans 9.5, Dallas at 9.5 as well, Detroit at 9. At 8.5, you have Seattle, the Giants, the Vikings. Then we get to 7.5, there's a whole group of them. The Commanders, the Rams, the Packers without Rodgers, the Bears, the Panthers, and the Falcons. At six and a half, you have the Buccaneers. And at five and a half, you have the Cardinals, who will be missing Kyler Murray for probably half the season. So I think the vast majority of this looks okay. I wouldn't touch the 49ers at 11 and a half. Now, they were 13 and four last year, right? Or 12 and five, whatever it was. Um, could they go 13 and 4, 12 and 5 again? Yeah. 11 and 6 feels like you could be right. This is anywhere between, I guess, a, a let's say a 12, because who knows how the quarterback situation is going to play out. 12 and 5 and 10 and 7, I think, are the, the, well, 13 and 4 is the absolute high, and 10 and 7 is the low for this team. I would easily take Philadelphia over 10 and a half. I mean, the games against Washington and the Giants are winnable, they'll beat Dallas once. I think they're better than a 10-win team. New Orleans at 9.5 is interesting. You may only need 9 wins to win that division. Dallas at 9, I would go over. I I might actually place a bet on this tonight. Dallas has too much... um, I'm sorry, it's 9.5. Dallas has too much talent to to win 9 games or less since the over-under is is 9.5. Detroit at 9 is interesting. That feels about right. And then all the 8.5, Seattle, the Giants, and Minnesota. Of those, maybe Minnesota... You know, they won a bunch of games and their division still isn't that great. The Viking, the Bears aren't going to be that great. They'll be better with Justin Fields, but not that great. The Lions, show me you're going to take that step forward and the Packers are going to take a step back. So in that grouping, I would take Minnesota over eight and a half. And then the seven and a half teams, Commanders, I don't know what the quarterback's going to look like. Maybe it's the Rams at eight wins. Packers with love, who knows? I mean, I, maybe I would go Carolina under seven and a half because they're, I guess they're going to play Andy Dalton until their rookie quarterback is ready. Six and a half for Tampa feels about right and five and a half for Arizona feels about right. So again, I wouldn't run out there, you know, saying, oh, San Francisco, pro football focus thinks San Francisco is going to go to the Super Bowl. They just have them as an 11 win team. Again, no guarantee that the highest winning team in any conference goes to the Super Bowl. 11. 12 wins, 11 wins, 10 wins feels about right. But I think if you want to make some money, I think you go over 10.5 with Philadelphia, and I think you go over 9.5 with Dallas. So that concludes our podcast for Monday, the 49ers portion. Um, Appreciate you listening. We'll be back on Thursday with the plus section where we'll we'll recap the final four. Great final four on Saturday, at least the first game. We will recap the championship game, which is happening tonight on Monday. And anything new, there will be a um, TV series recap. There will be a book or, or comic book compilation recap. And anything else 
interesting that happens between now and then. So stay happy, healthy, and safe, and we will talk soon. Take care.